Yeah, together. Chip and I have started the recording together today. Here you go. That's for all of you. Uh, and this is for all of me. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's great. Hey, welcome back. Chip and Eric reading through the Bible to semi-ordinary pastors reading an extraordinary book to some uh, really incredible people. Yeah. Just a wonderful audience. So good. Yeah. And so we are in the book of Daniel. Daniel is a prophet of Judah who is in Babylon during the time of exile. And so he's been elevated to a position of honor because he's very good at interpreting dreams. And he's seen as a very wise person. And so we're going to pick up in Daniel chapter 7. Okay. Daniel's vision of four beasts. Earlier, during the first year of King Belshazzar's reign in Babylon... Daniel had a dream and saw visions as he lay in his bed. He wrote down the dream, and this is what he saw. In my vision that night, I, Daniel, saw a great storm churning the surface of a great sea Mm -hmm. with strong winds blowing from every direction. Then four huge beasts came up out of the water, each different from the others. The first beast was like a lion with eagle's wings. As I watched, its wings were pulled off, and it was left standing with its two hind feet on the ground like a human being, and it was given a human mind. Then I saw a second beast, and it looked like a bear. It was rearing up on one side, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And I heard a voice saying to it, Get up, devour the flesh of many people. Then the third of these strange beasts appeared, and it looked like a leopard. It had four birds' wings on its back, and it had four heads. Great authority was given to this beast. Then, in my vision that night, I saw a fourth beast, terrifying, dreadful, and very strong. It devoured and crushed its victims with huge iron teeth and trampled the remains beneath its feet. It was different from any other other beast, and it had ten horns. As I was looking at the horns, suddenly another small horn appeared among them. Three of the first horns were torn out by the roots to make room for it. This little horn had eyes like human eyes and a mouth that was boasting arrogantly. I watched as thrones were put in place, and the Ancient One sat down to judge. His clothing was as white as snow, his hair like purest wool. He sat on a fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire, and a river of fire was pouring out, flowing from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him. Many millions stood to attend him. Then the court began its session, and the books were opened. I continued to watch because I could hear the little horn's boastful speech. I kept watching until the fourth beast was killed and its body was destroyed by fire. The three other beasts had their authority taken from them, but they were allowed to live a while longer. As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man coming up with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient One and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world, so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. The vision is explained. I, Daniel, was troubled by all I had seen, and my visions terrified me. So I approached one of those standing beside the throne and asked him what it all meant. He explained it to me like this. Those four huge beasts represent four kingdoms that will arise from the earth. But in the end, the holy people of the Most High will be given the kingdom, and they will rule forever and ever. Then I wanted to know the true meaning of the fourth beast, the one so different from the others and so terrifying. It had devoured and crushed its victims with iron teeth and bronze claws, trampling their remains beneath its feet. 
I also asked about the ten horns on the fourth beast's head and the little horn that came up afterward and destroyed the three of the other horns. This horn had seemed greater than the others, and it had human eyes and a mouth that was boasting arrogantly. As I watched, this horn was waging war against God's holy people and was defeating them, until the Ancient One, the Most High, came and judged in favor of his holy people. Then, this time, the time arrived for the holy people to take over the kingdom. Then he said to me, This fourth beast is the fourth world power that will rule the earth. It will be different from all the others. It will, be, it will devour the whole world, trampling and crushing everything in its path. Its ten horns are ten kings who will rule that empire. Then another king will arise, different from the other ten, who will subdue three of them. He will defy the Most High and oppress the holy people of the Most High. He will try to change their sacred festivals and laws, and they will be placed under his control for a time, times, and half a time. But then the court will pass judgment, and all power will be taken away and completely destroyed. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be given to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will last forever, and all the rulers will serve and obey him. That was the end of the vision. I, Daniel, was terrified by my thoughts, and my face was pale with fear, but I kept these things to myself. Daniel chapter 8. Daniel's vision of a ram and a goat. During the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, I, Daniel, saw another vision, following the one that had already appeared to me. In this vision, I was at the fortress of Susa in the province of Elam, standing beside the Ulai River. As I looked up, I saw a ram with two long horns standing beside the river. One of the horns was longer than the other, even though it had grown later than the other one. The ram butted everything out of his way to the west, to the north, and to the south, and no one could stand against him or help his victims. He did as he pleased and became very great. While I was watching, suddenly a male goat appeared from the west, crossing the land so swiftly that he didn't even touch the ground. This goat, which had one very large horn between the sides, headed toward the two-horned ram that I had seen standing beside the river, rushing at him in rage. The goat charged furiously at the ram and struck him, breaking up both his thorns. Now the ram was helpless, and the goat knocked him down and trampled him. No one could rescue the ram from the goat's power. The goat had become very powerful, but at the height of his power, his large horn was broken off. In the large horn's place grew four prominent horns pointing in the four directions of the earth. Then, from one of the prominent horns came a small horn whose power grew very great. It extended toward the south and the east and toward the glorious land of Israel. Its power reached to the heavens where it attacked the heavenly army, throwing some of the heavenly beings and some of the stars to the ground and trampling them. It even challenged the commander of heaven's armies by canceling the daily sacrifices offered to him by destroying his temple. The army of heaven was restrained from responding to this rebellion, so the daily sacrifice was halted and truth was overthrown. The horn succeeded in everything it did. Then I heard two holy ones talking to each other. One of them asked, how long would the events of the vision last? How long will the rebellion that causes desecration stop the daily sacrifices? How long will the temple and heaven's armies be trampled on? The other replied, it will take, it will take 2,300 evenings and mornings, then the temple will be made right again. Gabriel explains the vision. As I, Daniel, was trying to understand the meaning of the vision, someone who looked like a man stood in front of me, and I heard a human voice calling out from the Uli River. Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of his vision. As Gabriel approached the place where I was standing, I became so terrified that I fell with my face to the ground. Son of man, he said, you must understand that the events you have seen in your vision relate to the time of the end. The time of the end. While he was speaking, I 
fainted and lay there with my face to the ground, but Gabriel roused me with a touch and helped me to my feet. I'm glad that doesn't happen when we preach. Yeah. Yeah, that would <laughs> be, that would be faint crazy. and lay down. Oh, yeah, boom. Then he said, I'm here to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath. What you have seen pertains to the very end of time. The two-horned ram represents the kings of Media and Persia. These, the shaggy male goat represents the king of Greece, and the large horn between his eyes represents the first king of the Greek empire. The four prominent horns that replace the large horn show that the Greek empire will break into four kingdoms, but none as great as the first. At the end of their rule, when their sin is at its height... A fierce king, a master of intrigue, will rise to power. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. He will cause a shocking amount of destruction and succeed in everything that he does. He will destroy powerful leaders and devastate the holy people. He will be a master of deception and become arrogant. He will destroy many without warning. He will even take on the prince of princes in battle, but he will be broken, though not by human power. This vision about the 2,300 evenings and mornings is true, but none of these things will happen for a long time, so keep this vision a secret. Then I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for several days. Afterward, I got up, performed my duties for the king, but it was greatly troubled. I was greatly troubled by the vision that I could not understand it. Daniel's Prayer for His People, Daniel chapter 9. It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Ahasuerus, who became king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. Well, I prayed to the Lord my God and I confessed this. O Lord, you're great and awesome. You're great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. But we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets who spoke on your authority, to our kings and princes and ancestors, to all the people of the land. Lord, you are in the right, but as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all Israel, scattered near and far, wherever you have driven us because of our disloyalty to you. O Lord, we and our kings, princes, and ancestors are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. But the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God, for we have not followed the instructions he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has disobeyed your instruction and turned away, refusing to listen to your voice. So now the solemn curses and judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured down on us because of our sin. You have kept your word and done to us and our rulers exactly as you warned. Never has there been such a disaster as happened in Jerusalem. Every curse written against us in the law of Moses has come true. Yet we have refused to seek mercy from the Lord our God by turning from our sins and recognizing his truth. Therefore, the Lord has brought upon us the disaster he prepared. The Lord our God was right to do all these things, for we did not obey him. O Lord, our God, you brought lasting honor to your name by rescuing your people from Egypt in a great display of power. But we have sinned and are full of wickedness. In view of all your faithful mercies, Lord, please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. All the neighboring nations mock Jerusalem and your people because of our sins and the sins of our ancestors. O our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead. For your own sake, Lord, smile again on your desolate sanctuary. 
Oh my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. For your own sake, do not delay, O my God. For your people and your city bear your name. Gabriel's message about the anointed one. I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. As I was praying, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. He explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. The moment you began praying, a command was given, and now I am here to tell you what it was, for you are very precious to God. Listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. A period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people in your holy city to finish their rebellion to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. Now listen and understand. Seven sets of seven plus sixty-two sets of seven will pass from the time of the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses, despite the perilous times. After this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing, and a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. Then the end will come with a flood, and the war and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven, but after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings, as, and as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. Okay, that's our reading today. Should be easy to find Jesus in this text. Yes, it should be. Oh, man. All throughout there. What a great man. Yeah. So cool. Mm -hmm. So this is why people think that when they hear the word prophet, this is why people think that prophecy is always about the future, right? Because God is revealing so much about the future through the prophet Daniel. But we know that prophecy is not always about the future. So. Okay. So what? So what? Well, a lot of good so what's in here too. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I got a, I got two. I'll be brief. The one really hit me that you know we talked about early in chapter seven, towards the end of middle of chapter seven, that he, um, the ancient one, was given authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, authority. So uh, that word authority really um, brings with it all kinds of baggage today. You know, because we have authority figures that are terrible, and they make terrible decisions, do terrible things, and they're they're wicked, they're evil, and so um, when we see, you know, that God and, and Jesus, you know, is our authority, um, that can really bring with it a lot of stuff that's like, okay, I don't, I don't trust authority, you know. Um, but we need to realize that this authority, his authority, is much different than the worldly authority that we experience. And then I would say a big so what is just responding to God's authority and allowing him to have authority in every area of our life because he knows best. Yeah. And, and, he, and he wants the best for us. He doesn't want to restrict us. He wants to empower us and give us freedom. 
Uh, we read later in chapter 7, the sovereignty, power, and greatness of the kingdoms under heaven will be given to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will last forever, and all the rulers will serve and obey him. So, um, you know, he is in charge. He is in control, and he wants to be in that our life, in our life, in every area of our life, and we give him authority. So, and what's really cool about that is that when we give him authority over every, every area, we see from Scripture that we get God's blessing. Now, we can't, we don't know how that's going to play out. And I think there's people today make a lot of money from us. They try to, mm-hmm. um, by telling us how that will play out specifically. Right. And that's not necessarily the case. And many times it's wrong. And they're just trying to, you know, get after us in a way that we respond to it. But God will bless us when we respond to his authority and make him the authority in every area of our life. Um so that's the first is allow God to have authority let him call the shots what is his will and way for each of the areas of our life when you can just go down and make your list and go through the list and check yourself on that list I also was really impacted by uh, the prayer oh my God lean down and listen to me open your eyes and see our despair see how your city the city that bears your name lies in ruins and I, I was really convicted as we read through that you know like I know I do pray for our city, specifically here in our community, our county, in our area, and of course our country. But like, I just love the passion behind it. You know, instead of complaining about it, let's do something about it. You know, let's yeah. pray. Let's pray for our city. Let's let's have our hearts broken for our city. And my heart was broken. You know, this recent vote that we had it didn't pass, and just really disappointed in our county. And, you know, and I became angry and I shared that, you know, one morning how upset, discouraged I was. But I decided that I was going to be proactive, and, you know, instead of, you know, whining about it, going to pray about it, going to do something about it because our God is greater. And so it broke my heart, but it's going to break my heart in a way. And I hope it breaks your heart in a way that motivates you to action, to do something great for mm-hmm. God in and through you. So, so for me, the takeaway is, you know, you know, allow my heart to be broken for our city so that it motivates me to continue to do what God's called me to do, uh, to honor and glorify him because, and here we go, he is our authority Mm -hmm. and leads the way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the other big takeaways that kind of undergirds both of those is how reliable God's word is. That's one of the huge takeaways from this for me. I mean, to to say there's going to be a Greek empire and that it's going to split into four Greek, four little empires. Yeah. I mean, that is like historical fact. Yeah. And Daniel is writing during the exile, which yeah. would have been around 580 BC. And, you know, the Greeks don't come around until the 300s BC. So, like, yeah. this, there's a reliability here. There is. So, I just that's, love that. That's that a great point. Too. That is good. Okay. So, where's Jesus? Man, he is everywhere. But before we see Jesus in this text, we actually meet the second person of the unholy trinity the antichrist Mm. this little horn Mm -hmm. with big talk Mm -hmm. that's the antichrist so we see a little picture of the antichrist but then we've got the antichrist who thinks he can take the place of jesus as the the you know the ruler of all and Mm -hmm. (laughs) his his you know his victory looked like it was really going his way the battle looked like he was going his way until Christ sat down, the ancient one sat down to judge, his clothing is white as snow, his hair like purest wool, which is, um, you know, he, Jesus is described the same way in the book of Revelation. Yeah. Um, 
you know, if you're if hey, if Chip and Eric is not your full Bible devotion time, I would encourage you while we're in Daniel to go read Revelation because the two kind of go hand in hand. Pretty cool. So that's one great. Uh, there's Jesus. So Satan counterfeits what God creates. Absolutely, there is an unholy Trinity. Yep. And it is. It's exactly counterfeit. That's right. So uh, and you know we're just starting to see that we're starting to see this the promise of this anointed one that we see here obviously that's christ and then we get this description that he shows up and then he'll be killed appearing to have accomplished nothing sounds familiar man and then the destruction of the temple after that jesus is killed and it looks to those who are foolish those without spiritual eyes it looks like he did nothing like he came he lived for 30 years he taught for three and then died that's what it looks like and that is what like when you read the road to Emmaus which is you know a story that I use to interpret the Old Testament where Christ says this whole thing's about me when you hear what those disciples were saying where they're like we thought he was the Messiah and now he's gone and then they realize that Jesus is right there in the midst so right there uh, very cool lots of great stuff about Jesus and there's going to be even more as we go through Daniel so this has been a long one, but a good one. Thank yeah. you guys for joining us. We are glad to be reading with you. Day 259 is now in the books. Yep, and uh, we'll read to you tomorrow. Sure will. Okay, bye-bye.